Hi and welcome everyone to the Creative Cast. My name is Lucas Holman, and today uh, we have a special guest on the show, Martin Ribatsky, who is uh, an artist and painter. And I would love uh, to talk with you about your whole movement right now. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> um, I'd like to start with getting to know you a little bit better. And I feel like you're the right person to ask you this. Um, who are you? Oh, mm. who am I? Um, well, my name is Martin, as you said. And I... Um, I don't know who I am. I would say um, I can tell you what where I come from and what I do. Please. Uh, um, well, I was uh, born in socialist Poland in the 80s mm. in a small village surrounded by, by a big family, like trees, forests, lakes. We didn't have a lot, but uh, we didn't need a lot. Mm -hmm. um, then my parents left it all out of economic fear mm -hmm. and um, well in retrospect um, this might not have been the best decision um, and also maybe not the most sufficient reason to do it okay well I would say that um, leaving a big family which grounds you is a big risk And yeah, um, sure. I think that over the years we discovered that it takes a toll on you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, we moved to Germany when I was eight, um, directly into the city, uh, away from the village that I was used to, mm -hmm. surrounded by nature, into cities surrounded by concrete. <laughs> And Complete change. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we moved to Wuppertal, to the city of Wuppertal, where I lived until now, mm -hmm. actually, um, with minor breaks here and there. I was one year, I was studying in Krakow, I went back to Poland, uh, studied at the art, art Academy, and, but generally I stayed here. Um, yeah, that's, that's my origin, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I would describe myself as kind of between cultures, unrooted. Oh, you know? really? Unrooted? Yeah. Wow. yeah okay. Yeah. For example, um, all my best friends share this kind of background. So um, maybe the connection between us um, originates from this lack of grounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Based on the fact that you moved away Uh, from where you were born so early, right? At, yeah, at the age of eight. exactly. Yeah, I, um, others moved um, away from their homeland a little bit later, some uh, a little earlier, mm -hmm. but we still shared something and kind of connected through that. Oh. Uh, kind of like aliens, you know? No, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I totally get mm -hmm. what you're saying right now. And maybe that's why uh, I was uh, my my my. Um, um, Love, or, or I don't know if it's love, passion, not not passion. My predisposition for art, yeah, maybe was accelerated through that, because um, I think psychologists say that um, artistic achievement is 
based in trauma. <laughs> it's a strong word, right? But, yeah, it is. Um, but there's something to it, yeah. Mm. You have to compensate for, for a lack of something, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, I think it's a cliche when someone says, I don't know who I am, right? When, no, but... Yeah, but that's why I formulated the question in yeah, that way. I mean, of course I know who I am, but it's, it's such a such a um, straightforward question at the beginning. So yeah, that's that's um, where I come from, mm -hmm. and um, well, what I do, I was I was um, I always drew at a kid, like most of us, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I kind of had a strange disposition for it. Yeah. I stick to it. I was um, I was kind of good for a kid. Uh, I, I compared myself, or, or grown-ups compared my stuff to other kids' stuff and said, oh, it's okay. But I never got praised, this, this cliche of being praised by your grandmother and blah, blah, blah. I never had that, so I kind of, I was lucky to have avoided <laughs> that. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so... so um, yeah, good old grandmother just lost whatever you do you mean that yeah yeah okay, exactly okay. <laughs> so when i got older drawings kind of slowed down yeah and um when i got into well it slowed down when i when i got into making rap music mm -hmm. Oof, yeah, in my teens yeah. this already. <laughs> uh, so, so um that's where i met my best friends who are my best friends still today mm -hmm. and um we uh, kind of developed this well not no we didn't develop but I developed a love for rap music. I can't explain you why. And I met them and they already had their love for rap music, my best friend, um, with whom, I'm, whom I um, started to, first started to, to make rap music. And then another very good friend came and joined us. And um, yeah, we were kind of, a, <laughs> we formed a small, funny little rap group in school. And uh, we wrote wrote lyrics about being super masculine, and on, on the other side, um, well, on the one hand we were super masculine, on the other hand we were super insecure. Right? It was sure. so funny. It's like like bipolar, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, but that was a lot of fun. We kind of expressed ourselves. We we had a form of es escapism, right? And, and at that that age, it's. Um, Everybody has some form of escapism, and um, which is quite healthy. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, yeah, we 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 recorded, we performed at small and a little bigger concerts. Mm -hmm. um, I I made the beats. Yeah, I made the beats at a, on a laptop. Um, without even having a clue about making music, I didn't know how to play any instruments. But uh, that was kind of fun. It's like um, what do you say, basteln? Mm. You know, <gasps> yeah. like, just 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 intuitively fitting things together. Right? Yeah, just Sounds. playing around. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I still do it t today. Not every now and then, it's it's fun, and um, then. Um, so you would. Would you consider that as a hobby of yours? Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Something to do on the side, exactly, yeah. But, um, yeah, then we all started studying and left rap music. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. it, yeah. And, but you um, kept in the art. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. After a phase of disorientation, I would say, like searching for the right thing to study and stuff like yeah. that. Um, you told me that you um, studied uh, physics yes. uh, for a couple of years. <laughs> I'd tried to study economics. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, before I before I um, finally heard, yeah, listened to my listened to my instinct and uh, applied for communication design, and then I got in. And um, yeah, I tried the whole shebang with um, making posters and mm -hmm. flyers and everything, learning about marketing and perception and psychology behind uh, creating things and be behind the visual world and stuff like that. But then I met my mentor. You have um, a mentor? Well, I had one. I had one, let's say. Um, um, yeah, I, I studied under a very famous German children book illustrator. And um, he was a phenomenal draftsman. Um, and that just fascinated me. I, 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 it drew me right in. I was, I was sold. You know? mm -hmm. And um, funnily enough, he... Um, ignited in me a flame of love for art not for design right for art for okay. classical art and uh, he showed me books and images of of artists and painters i never never even heard of right but when you when you um, are familiar with art those are the greats you know yeah. so i was really really uh, uh, uninformed at that time but my love grew and the maybe you can call it irony At the end, when I got my diploma in graphic design, I knew that I didn't want to work in the field in which I made my diploma in, you know. So, um, yeah, but I still worked a little bit as a freelancer in that, in that field, but um, I knew I wanted to pursue art, like painting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I went here and there to different academies, yeah. like, and um, started making art on my own. Mm. Yeah, I... Um, I taught myself painting and the, yeah, and started um, doing exhibitions. I was lucky that way mm. because it's not easy to to get into galleries and and do exhibitions. I was selling a little bit of art here and there. Online or no, actually through through exhibitions okay, and through, nice. through knowing people. Yeah, and then I kind of stumbled into teaching art. Yeah, and that's what I do until now. Mm -hmm. yeah, currently. Until today. Yeah, currently. Sorry, yeah. I didn't want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but I am interested in the name of uh, your mentor. I didn't catch that. Um, are you tempting me in, to drop names, name dropping? Yeah? Yes. Um, Wolf Erlbruch. Okay, nice. Uh, he, I don't know him, but yeah, most, there might be some people out there. That yeah, do. most people uh, don't recognize his name, but most people know his most famous children's book. It's the, the I only know the, the German title. Der, der Maulwurf, der wissen wollte, wer ihm auf den Kopf gemacht hat. So the mole who wanted to know who made did a mm -hmm on his head. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's okay. very famous. <laughs> I actually don't know it, but it might be very famous in, in if you grow up in Germany, I guess. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. All right. Also worldwide. 
he became a millionaire. Oh, wow. I guess, yeah, through, because of this book. Yeah. Okay. I can tell you right now in Spain, it's not that well known. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I think uh, the most famous children's books are um, by Sendak, right? Um, Where the Wild Things Are and stuff like that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, these are I iconic children's books. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's I heard more cassettes. <laughs> In Poland, there is the Academy of Mr. Klecks, Academia Pana Klexa. That's the most famous. For uh, Academy for? Uh, no, it's the. Oh well, well. Um, I think. Um, it's the academy for kind of everything magical. Everything it's, magical. Yeah. It's just, what? <laughs> it, it was a kind of a professor who who could. Uh, who, I don't. I don't remember really. But but it was very mystical, magical. Um, which, uh, where where kids were surprised all the time. You know, like like. <laughs> Sounds could, like could, way too much fun. Yeah, you could pull an <laughs> elephant over a head and stuff like stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's the Slavic kind of um, fairy tale style. You okay. know, it's it's a little bit more darker and not so Disney-like because we in the West are very Disney Disneyized. Mm. I would say Disney stole our eyes. Mm. Yeah. Is they stole our they eyes? They stole our eyes exactly. Why like is the that? impressionists. If, when you, for example, we are very influenced by the impressionists. So when we look at a landscape, mm. we don't see the landscape, we see an impressionist painting. Mm. The moment of its being captured. No, just when you when you just look at mm. those. The, the, the way we are um we, we have a library of images in mm. our head, right? And we we um when we look at things, we categorize visually also and we um we connect that what's it's on in our library yeah to the visual information in order to understand it quicker and better sure. I, i'm i'm messing yeah, this process it. yeah i'm messing this totally you know, uh, up but uh, psychologists can say that way better than i do um but um the more you um view the world through images, yeah. the more you project those images onto the world. Yeah. So you actually don't see freshly. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, it's like recycling. Yeah. In a way. Oh, in I've all, seen this before. This yeah, is, this yeah. Is, this is known to me. Yeah, or, or you are not able to discover something new in it other details and stuff mm. like because you already um saved it as a in a special category in your head okay and so that's that's also the difference between cultures mm. you know every culture has its own library i would say yeah sure so um yeah and we in the west are extremely influenced by ads by disney mm. very very much by disney and um yeah that's that influences the way we view and judge things visually. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but I, I, I really, I really like that. I mean, for um, creative minds uh, uh, like us that are into art and you know paint and um, make pictures, um, that is quite valuable um, in understanding 
for us as we process everything, mainly visually. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, let's get back to your current uh, <laughs> teaching mm. uh, project. How is that going? It's going quite well. I have private students mm-hmm. in my um, atelier, in my studio. And um, before that, I was teaching in museums and in community colleges. I was quite, I didn't like the fact that I was dependent on an institution, so I changed that. And uh, it's way better. The students like it way more. Um, way more inspiration when you're surrounded by paintings and books and stuff like that. And the atmosphere is just different. It's an atmosphere of creative work. Right? And uh, in museum, it's, it's it's okay. But at a community college, it was kind of like an office room. Sure. And it's really cold and not very inspiring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's... It's good. Um, I can um, teach much better, way more personally. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm very happy with that. And I, from what I've heard so far, I think my students are happy as well. Okay, nice. Uh, what is it exactly that you teach? I teach fundamentals. That means that I teach stuff that is not taught anymore at academies and universities yeah you can make that face exactly that's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's that's surprising right uh depends on what it is um anatomy perspective form sh- light and shadow and they do not they do that? not know since the 60s or before that there was a well we're, we're now getting into um art history and and philosophy a little bit mm. but yeah um there is one very funny thing when you look into art history around uh, around uh, the change of the century around um, no wait 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 around 1900 uh, a little bit before that there were two competing um styles you could say on the one hand there was um William Bouguereau mm-hmm. and his style. And on the other hand, on the other side, there were people like Picasso. So the modernists. Yeah. Bouguereau was the cl- classicist mm-hmm. and um, the others were the modernists. And when you look up Bouguereau, then you will see that he was painting incredibly realistically and extremely beautifully. Um, this well beautifully in a classical sense right so um, the figures looked like Greek gods but very aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. um, idealized and we all know Picasso right so it was the complete um, opposite of that and um, the modernists won Mm. and by winning they changed the the mentality in in the education, in the art education, in the academies and the universities, and what was before regarded as important wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. So the teaching of technique, of realism, of depicting what you can, what you see, 
in a um, elaborate way uh, was regarded as old-fashioned. And uh, with the rise of um, psychoanalysis, analysis, Freud, etc., the unconscious was discovered and the surrealists, like Dali, is the um, usual suspect, yes. um, they came up and they were still grounded in classical uh, craft. Um, but they opened up... Uh, style no they opened up art in general for heavy experimentation and when you open something up for heavy experimentation and you 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 risk losing your footing and the f and the footing was always accurate depiction of reality yeah so well not always i have to There is one little thing that's that's uh, that hasn't been in footed in depicting reality um, as we know it today, but that's another topic. <laughs> um, so the the fundamentals were lost gradually. So today you have, like for example, I don't want to. Um, Today you have the phenomenon of do what you want. And because it's subjective and personal and individual, it can't be judged. So everything is art or can be art. Mm. And by saying everything can be art, logic logically follows that nothing will be. Mm. But... Let's stop here. Yeah. No, but I what I get, um, what I take from that is uh, all these different artists like Picasso and Dali um, has have made a great impact on how art is taught nowadays. Absolutely. Yes. Um, which I, I I experienced myself when I studied photography. Like, um, it depends obviously on the teacher you have. Um, and I, f um, I feel like um, the the classical subjects that you get taught are still history and all pretty much set. Um, but if you, um, there are more and more teachers nowadays that give you more freedom mm -hmm. in a sense of how your work looks like and how your assignments look like. But in photography, I would say there is one crucial difference compared to uh, painting compared to painting exactly because you do not create the image with your hands it's very different <laughs> yeah. so this this means that you are still dealing with the in quotes depicting the visual world or you can make experiments with light and stuff like mm -hmm. that but you when you make a quote unquote normal photo that would That the thing that is, that thing that varies is the subject matter, mm. but you're still dealing with light and uh, objects th that are in the world. Mm. But when you um, draw or paint, you are um, dependent on your skills to depict those things. Yeah. So there, 
you have the subject matter that can be influenced by philosophy, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the way to depict things can also be influenced by philosophy. And both things happened in drawing and painting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a great movement called pictorialism that shaped both uh, very greatly, well, especially photography. Um, I have not studied um, painting history that much, uh, but uh, I know photography uh, had in the early 20th century quite a movement in there. And also um, when you study uh, the history of photography is that you learn that sort of photography in a way liberated the world of painting in a sense of that painting doesn't didn't need to depict reality anymore kind of we took that from from them as pictures inherently in the beginning were um, you know a representation of reality in a sense so um, painting got more free and they didn't have the need of um, painting people anymore or places but they could go more um, abstract as they didn't where they stopped being the only art that were able to do that now photography could so we kind of took all that work from them they didn't have to do that anymore i see what you mean i would put in some nuance nuances into that so um we of course have sculpture as well uh, carving and yes. everything so um I know what you mean. This is the way it is taught that things, how things went. Mm-hmm. Um, now we get a little bit deeper into the whole thing. So um, there are two things I would add to that or maybe that I would counter. First of all, the realistic um depiction of reality that's quote-unquote realistic or the naturalistic it's is actually um not the way we see we do not see the way the camera sees mm-hmm. um so artists like for example david hockney um dealt with it for years it's very very interesting because he was a he was doing paintings and photography and um yeah his his oeuvre is a um, manifestation of this not really conflict but this uh, he he um what would you say um exploration of of how we see and this mythology of the camera being the only thing to depict the reality accurately accurately mm. which it doesn't because our eyes do not function the way the camera does yeah um but we are so used to uh, seeing through the lens that's what i also uh, that, that that that's um also the thing that uh, i would add to disney stealing our eyes impressionists uh, influencing the way we see um the camera did it as well so in retrospect we think that the camera depicts reality as it really is so that's one thing 
Yeah. The second thing is the camera liberated. I don't know if it liberated. It just made the, the depiction of one focus. How, how can you say that? Fluchtpunkt. Fluchtpunkt. Vanishing point. One. Oh, you mean where the lines head? Yeah, the camera, because the paintings were, with, with the invention or discovery of one point vanishing, one vanishing point perspective yeah, by okay. Brunelleschi in the 15th, 16th century, um, this was the basis for the possibility of even inventing a camera. Mm. Perspective, one one point, one vanishing point, single vanishing point perspective. <laughs> and the, to, to translate this yeah, whole stuff yeah, in, in your it's, head in English. It's called, so it's called punto de fuga in Spanish. Okay, that's way For way, those way easier. Yeah. <laughs> so single point, single vanishing point perspective was um, a paradigm shift in painting, Renaissance and stuff like that. Right, we all know that. Before that, there was no vanishing point, and people didn't care. More chaos. No, sense. not chaos. Another way of seeing and thinking about the world. They didn't need it. Mm. It didn't bother them. That doesn't mean that they didn't know about the vanishing point. They knew. But it wasn't important for their worldview. Okay. Because single vanishing point perspective is really influences thinking. Yeah. Right? It's it's a single point. It's a single aim. It's it's yeah. Yeah, where everything is headed towards. Exactly. Before that, it was more holistic. Right? Mm. So there were yeah, yeah, it's it's too complicated for me in my with my um feeble brain to <laughs> to describe but let's let me get back to the camera thing and so this means that the camera actually didn't um, liberate that's not what i would say no? mm-hmm. or that's it's not how i would say it. the camera just perfected what was already there that's another way to put it yeah, yeah it's it's made the process quicker mm-hmm. sure Sure, simpler and more efficient in a way. So one could say, one could could argue that um, all those realists and naturalists and photorealists and hyperrealists, that they were um, already um, breaking with the old worldview, right? So the camera was just a addition, a technical innovation mm. yeah but it didn't actually change any paradigm i would say so you are right when the camera emerged all those people who are who were actually already imitating pre-imitating the camera mm-hmm. they through painting yeah they just okay why should i right they changed yeah they either changed the photography or they changed what they painted yeah, so so people like Hockney um, went back and thought, wait, if we 
if we say that the camera depicts reality most accurately? Well, let me play with that. Let me question that. And he discovered, no, it doesn't. It's a great tool for making pictures. It's and it's a way of yeah. It's it's the camera freezes time, or you could even say it kills time. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's not how we see, how we experience. And that's not the, how we experience the world and life in general. So um, it's just one facet of visual world of visual experience. And he he played with that and made very interesting and great discoveries okay um i I like the little uh road we took uh through history of art yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, sweaty mother but um i liked how we compared and talked about both uh crafts um a bit here i may i ask you something yeah sure go for it what do you think as a photographer about the democratization of photo technique everyone has a camera what happens to images what happens to photography mm. uh, it's it kind of splits um, your uh, the way you see it I mean in a sense it's good as more people have access to it and um, it's not like a privileged craft that only a few can do that have uh, maybe the economical resources to do it. And so more people can experience it and find in photography what um, so many have found before, which is um, this f- fulfilling craft that um, I found myself. Okay, next question. No, but I'm not done with that yet. Okay. It's not all good, right? Uh, in the se- so that, that's the good part of it that I see. In the sense of, you know, everyone has a smartphone and um, call, calls themselves a photographer. Um, and that leads into the part that is um, so misunderstood nowadays. Um, from my point of view, at least. Which is mm, the sort of the definition of what is a photographer. Sure, if it is for you, someone that just makes pictures here and there. Yeah, okay, we're all photographers. But that's not necessarily um, the or my, my definition of it. I would rather say it's someone that dedicates his uh, life to it. Someone that needs to do or to perform photography. Um, because it's it's... It's something you're thinking of twenty-four know, seven. Uh, when I doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'm always seeing the world in pictures. My eyes are a camera all the time, so I I see uh, plays of light and shape and my sense of uh, beauty everywhere I go. So it's it's something. It's a mindset photography. And apart from you dedicating um, your time to it, your life to it, and doing projects, expressing your way of seeing the world, it's also not only taking the pictures, but also treating them. 
it's everything like having a camera going out there or in somewhere um, doing maybe a setup not only it's taking the picture and having it in your memory card nowadays with digital cameras but it's also all the process that goes after that that is in a way almost as important as taking the picture yourself that's interesting because you used a word craft and i immediately wanted to ask you okay when people take photos with their cell phone where is the craft well the, the craft has many different steps and um actually being conscious enough to see something you find appealing or interesting enough to capture it and then going into making the action of taking the picture and choosing what's in the picture and what's not the framing. Is it, you know, is it horizontal or vertical? Do I want to do it square or um, do, which proportion do I want? Um, doing Going all through that in a conscious or unconscious way That's already one step in that craft. So even someone that does a picture with their phone, that doesn't make it less valuable. It's For me, it's, it's equally valuable as someone that does the same picture with a big format um, analog camera. But there one, can one argue that analog photography... Um, does include more craft in the way, in the sense that it you have more actual technical steps, like selecting the paper and uh, how do you call it? Yeah, shutter speed, exactly. Yeah, and also all those um, tech, actual technical steps yes. with Entwicklung and so on. Yeah, yeah, development. Yeah, yeah, developing this whole stuff and in the dark room mm, things. Printing. Exactly. Yeah. When you when you remember Daguerreotypie, yes. right? That was it's it was kind of a chemical stuff, yeah. actually, right? So yeah. That's what I remembered when you said the word craft and mm. I compared it to the extremely technological mm. um, way of um, Uh, extremely technological side of digital photography. So, yeah. Sure, I mean, definitely you, you, you can argue that anal anal analog photography or film, how it's called, mm, requires, in a sense, more work. Um, and, uh, in, and sometimes it does require more maybe technical knowledge. It requires more from you. Not even... Not only with the camera, but also uh, in the dark room. Um, but that not necessarily because because you put more work into understanding how a piece of device works or whole the process works mm, makes it inherently better than um, a different project that is done with the cell phone um, and. I wouldn't say that gap of work is actually that big. Like nowadays, we're just used to using cell phones and to using digital cameras. But all these devices do have an inherent um, learning curve as well to them. And some of the modern devices are very complicated as well. So we're just used to them. 
So it doesn't seem like that much of work. Back in the days, people were used to film and they knew most of these steps already, like we're used to digital today. So it just appears to us that it's just so much more work doing analog today. I would argue that it's not about more work, it's about what kind of work. So you, I think you already um, realized that I'm kind of a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. No so, so that you also like to think about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so this also influences my view on art or the, the def- definition of art. So um, for me, um, it's more like um, art is way more craft than we um, imagine it today. So I would argue that the that without a certain when when it comes to art that depicts or that create I'm not talking about writing or writing poems and stuff like that more like uh, the visual arts yeah that's the word mm-hmm. the visual arts that they require um actual craft and skill in the sense in in a traditional old school sense that the the really hands on things that you have to do um working with material and um combining it and and using it in a in a structured way and stuff like that i i know it's not it's also with digital things right the same but but um really handling material uh, does something with us it informs us and i think um the more traditional way of making art um is richer maybe it doesn't culminate in a better image right but i i try not to think of art as now let let me get back um i think that um the result is not everything it what what's also important is what what happens with you while you do it mm. and um we, process exactly um so we know that um when you do something where all senses are involved the experience is more holistic you learn more mm. and you gain more as as a being yes so um I view art in the same manner, mm. and so yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so let me add one little thing. Please. Um, we have the phenomena of uh, digital painting, right? Photoshop and stuff like that, and um, this technique produces great results. But I would argue that it's only, first of all, it's just a technique. It's a substitute for traditional media, mm. and those people who get the best results i would say in my opinion are those who are grounded in the traditional so a photographer who um, knows all those traditional um, analog techniques even maybe tried his 
own Dagger to be, right? I think may maybe a layman or we even wouldn't um, see any difference in the result between him and someone who solely um, takes photos digitally. Sure. But but maybe there is. I don't know. You know what I mean? I I, I think it's 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 more yeah. Like I say, it's more nourishing and and I think there is a different maybe even better quality no I, I I I say there is a higher quality to those end results yeah. mm -hmm. uh, no I I agree with you that um, the more experience you have with um, the process itself the more you experiment with that um, the better your decisions will will be in uh, the modern substitutes that emerge because mm. uh, things like Photoshop and Lightroom and Illustrator, all those are programs that in a way imitate real-life techniques like a brush or, I don't know, yeah. all these things are um, burning and... Uh, um, That's called like when you do the shadows and the highlights and you you shape the light. It's called burning and dodging, dodging and burning. Anyway, there it's most of the tools in those um, software um, programs are based on real life tools you had in the in the laboratory or in the darkroom or in an atelier in a studio. So it definitely makes you. Um, a smarter person that makes more mm, wise decisions. And and um, um, this topic interests me because um, I hear very often new students complaining about the lack of hand-on technique, that they are missing something, right? It's like um, all this freedom is actually suffocating us right? yeah in a way yeah, uh, it's, it's it's called yeah. freedom but it's actually a giant dark ocean <laughs> right you are plunged into it and are told okay now swim you're free mm. it's no it's an extreme example but, no, but some people feel that that way yeah it it makes the art Uh, more or less human in a way, right? It feels less real and more digital. Yes. Right? More like a machine thing. I feel like I talked for half an hour and you just put everything in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> But I needed to uh, yeah. listen to you this time to mm -hmm. maybe get to that point. Yeah. So maybe there is a connection to your next question that you that you gave me beforehand. Yeah, about okay. creativity. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's I just um, yeah I, I I thought about it and I um, think um, I don't know what creativity means for me because mm -hmm. um, this question is not important to me. Um, I think the word the word creativity um, is a modern buzzword. Um, that is used to inflate the importance of modern and postmodern art and the artist and to artificially mystify what people actually do. Mm. Could you elaborate that? Yes. 
Of course. Please. <laughs> I will try. You might know. <laughs> I will try. Yeah. So, look, when I say that what you do as a photographer is just craft, how do you feel? Not very pleasant. Yeah, it seems limiting. Yeah. So, but why? As you, um, when, when you are a photographer, you tend to think of it as an art as well, not oh. only yeah, as a but, craft. Okay, but when I say the same thing to filmmakers, painters, uh, people who do graphics and sculptors, they will, almost all of them will have the same feeling. And I ask, my, ask myself, why? Sure. Why is it that craft, well, that, that would mean that craft is degraded? Mm, less you know? than art. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But why? It's, it's actually a fundamental part of it and maybe the main part of it. Because sure. without it, you are super free and actually don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I would rather argue for craft and creativity is almost kind of a um, a normal a what would you say um, self-evident part of it it's an inherent part of the process mm -hmm. so uh, I think it's it's part of our modern worldview to degrade craft and to elevate that which cannot be taught. Mm. It sounds kind of elitist, wouldn't you say? Mm. Yeah, but I think people tend to, when they hear the word craft, um, they tend to understand it as a, f a physical work. But it is, work. yes. And um, art kind of complements that word, um, giving it the significance of not necessarily the physical act of doing it, but the... Inspirational aspect of it too. Yeah, or the human, the human part we put in it, or the, the, the significance, what we want to have it what what's the meaning of what we're doing meaning is a very important word yes right you can create a chair and that's a craft you created that but without without you actually putting some idea behind it or some value to it it, it might not be an art you know oh, what i mean that's so good that you're saying that because <laughs> I, because i would It immediately counter it. You made a Please. wonderful example. So the traditional definition of art was, you can read Heidegger for that and, and Aristotle and stuff like that. So the ancient traditional definition of art was merely putting things together well. Okay. Right. So when you, so there is already an implication of quality. Yeah. Because well, what is well? Right? Exactly. So there is an aspect of functionality, putting things together well. Mm. And the product was embedded in a culture of participation, which means that 
when you do the chair, when you, when you make the chair, it, the moment someone sits on it, the person then participates in the chair and qualifies it, right? It affirms its quality by sitting on it and by being useful being useful exactly so it has it has a purpose functional yes mm -hmm. so art was actually almost everything and we have remnants of that today the art of gardening the art of cooking right the art of dancing yes but the participational aspect was very important uh, the art the artifact was not complete until someone used it so and the thing is that over the centuries this aspect vanished from the arts and was transferred to design mm. right yes so. to appeal in the sense of something is visually pleasing not necessarily useful as a painting for example yes yes it's it's it gets better or worse <laughs> What art ultimately is today, there are two things. Art is a product for consumption. You consume it intellectually, visually, as an asset. And yeah, yeah. I think there was one, one more point, but let's leave it at that. And the other minor part is that art What, what, what is left in art today is still this tiny notion that art can connect you to the transcendent, to the, let's say, human, but, but it's more than that, just that. Mm -hmm. It's a search for something higher, right? But before all, before modernity, art was all of that, but mm -hmm. without the asset and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Without, without the consumption, it was more integrated. It was holistic. So um, artists were not considered those crazy guys, crazy people who waited for uh, heavenly intuition and stuff like that, mm. right? It was a craft. It was the basis. And you could per perfect the art. It was embedded. So The fact that it was embedded in culture already gave you, as an artist, meaning. Mm. You had purpose. Yeah. You didn't need to struggle and ask yourself, what should I express? Yes. Right? The thing you did, there was already an expression of yourself by the mere fact that you were doing it. Yeah. But it also served a culture, a community, in a way that, in a positive way, mm. right? Yeah, sure. You 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 had your role in society. Exactly. Yeah, and today it's the dogma of freedom is is I would say is is um, resulting in the fact that we look down on craft. A really? Bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the, yeah. That, that's why I think there is this distinct distinction between high art and low art and craft and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I find this idea. Um, very interesting and actually also kind of healing right to 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 um, get down from my um, 
highly intellectual artistic throne right that you are put on while you're studying right mm. you, you, because you're the only thing that you are looking at is avant-garde stuff yes. right paradigm shifts look uh, what this person did and this uh, they new changed ideas. so much yes exactly everything has to be new and big and shocking no, not everything but right yeah i mean you're kind of there you know. know what i mean right sure. so um i think it's kind of soothing and um, really grounding to to look back at what art actually is supposed to be yeah mm, okay i mean we we we're using or we're trying to find uh different meanings for what art is and it is it has taken us uh still um we still don't really know what it is because it probably doesn't have one meaning i would disagree yeah you think it has yeah. one meaning let me say it like this i think the fact that we are searching and and kind of can't find the one meaning is because The problem lies not with art, it lies with our culture. We are fragmented. We don't have one uniting narrative, let's say, one united cultural um, value structure mm -hmm. the, or, or positive value structure, let's say. The fact that art is the way it is today reflects actually the society's cultural value structure. And today we have consumption. Mm. That's the highest value, actually. The self and consumption. Mm. So before that, there was, I don't know, the king or uh, actually originally it was religion. That was the unifying narrative of a culture. And everything served this worldview. Mm. So purpose. Yeah, exactly. So you can ask yourself today, well, what does art serve today? Mm. Right. Yeah, okay. I was thinking more about the definition of art mm -hmm. and what it truly is. And Well, I would maybe agree with what you said in the way that art is not fixed on one thing. It because it serves the culture yeah it is malleable yeah right it, exactly yeah, it's fluid yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, I, i feel I like see what you it mean. adapts in some way for um, the time and the society and the purpose it has did you know what carl jung the famous psychoanalyst said about art carl jung carl jung i, did, yeah. I do not know what he said he said um art for a culture it is what a dream is for the person hmm. so it ever it's, it's under the surface we live in a culture we we absorb things unconsciously yeah. right and and collectively art art gathers what we collectively kind of dream mm -hmm. in quotes and brings it forth to the surface and then we look at it and Really? <laughs> That's what what we are inside as a as a collective. Okay, mm. okay. I, I like I really like that, and it does seem like make a lot of sense to me, because um, just art, just like dreams, help us process um, what we take in from the world. So, 
uh, really. I feel like that analogy makes a lot of sense. So what would you say from your perspective as a photographer who deals with images? I think you consume a lot of images per day, right? Yeah, we all do. But yes, sure, I do yeah. a lot. Yeah, so what would you say for you um, does photography reflect concerning our inner space as a as a culture you know what I think what's the purpose maybe no 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 when you when you look at the photos yes. that you encounter every day what's what what do you see as a as a pattern you mean where we're headed Or where we are where we headed yeah what what would you say what what do you recognize I maybe I'm not not good enough in asking the question. Um, Why are you asking that? Because I want to know what 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 what's uh, what's your experience. Because I have my experience. I want mm -hmm. to know yours. Do, maybe what what are the big topics that people are um, dealing with? Maybe when you when you see all the Instagram photographers expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. Are there commonalities for you or is everything different? What are the big stories that they are telling unconsciously? Now I got you. Well, as a very difficult question. As there is um, a lot of variety out there. And it's not necessarily easy to find a common pattern within them. Mm, I couldn't say right now. Um, for one thing that popped my mind is most of the work that I see out there uh, shouts um, in a way uh, a need for beauty. And... A need for validation. So those two things I see a lot nowadays. How about a need for identity? Um, yeah, you could put it like that as well. But an identity in a sense of how am I perceived or... Or in a way of finding who I really am. Both. Both, yeah. yeah. But more kind of also... Well, they are connected, yeah. They work together, but um, they don't th necessarily... Because I think culturally, uh, identity is not something that you make up. It's negotiated. Mm. It's, a process between, it's a process of negotiation between the culture and you. You present yourself... And you get feedback and then you modify it right, according yeah. to the feedback, but also according to your core, right? So it's, it's a, so, some kind of, yeah, it's, it's negotiation. Yeah. What, I, what I find, what I've seen, not necessarily in photography or painting, but in, in stand-up comedy <laughs> with the, oh oh shit <laughs> we actually talked about this yesterday mm. no but i what i do see in uh modern uh stand-up comedy is that 
people appreciate realness people that are that present themselves to the world who they how they really are unfiltered they, yeah unfiltered and what i take from that is it's much healthier to find out who you are and then present to the world this being that you found you know but how can you find it without presenting it we are social creatures yeah it's it's finding out who you are taking everyone else out of the equation can you do that sure i don't everyone and i can't tell you the secret on how to do it becoming a monk in the desert <laughs> living in a like cave the, all there's alone. not one way to find that out everyone has to figure it out by themselves selves but i feel like that order of first figuring out who you are which changes as you grow older but keeping up with who you are becoming and being conscious about that and reflecting that to the world rather than which is what most people do trying to fit the society's view of you trying to please everyone else and make that who you are right you have those two options really not really thinking about too much about your personal thoughts and behavior but being way more influenced by what everyone else says and thinks about you yeah i get what you mean i wouldn't uh, view it uh, as fatalistically I, or i wouldn't put it as fatalistically as you as as it sounded to me um as, i i know what you mean mm. i absolutely agree that you shouldn't be a chameleon and a faker and right, just just pleasing people i maybe i was i was just i was more talking about the process itself mm -hmm. that in order to find out who you are and who you are comfortable with being you need to um, expose yourself to others sure so yeah sure. so so uh, i think um, i totally agree <clears throat> when you in in this process when you find out that you go against what you feel is right and then uh, corrupt yourself and present a fake persona to the to uh, the world then absolutely that's wrong yeah, yeah yeah i'm not saying necessarily that is wrong i'm just saying that doing the the first way the way that you find yourself and then present it's healthier yes yes i'm not necessarily want to judge and say this is better than this oh i do judge sure do <laughs> no 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 that, that's 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 bad no but, um, but, but let me add one thing because we didn't address that and i think it lingers in the background um never before had people the chance to present themselves online like that mm -hmm. so i think the fact that we have this ability have this possibility um creates i think more pressure for everyone to to think about themselves to question themselves and to um yeah think even think about presenting oneself yeah right? yeah creating personas mm -hmm. you know creating personas is inevitable to some certain degree but i think it's very exaggerated today
So I think um, you shouldn't, well, it's not healthy to uh, go against your intuition in the process of finding yourself. But if you even add to it faking your online presence, right, making yourself better or whatever, right, it even adds to the uh, unhealthy thing. Definitely. And, and going back to the um, stand-up comedy aspect, all major stand-up comedians nowadays, the most famous ones, more appraised ones, all seem to share that aspect. Okay, I will say something provocative. And I, um, what would you say? Behaupten. Um, make, I'll make a bold statement. I would say that none of the mainstream acclaimed by mainstream I mean um, internet mainstream like Rogan like all the others mm -hmm. you include Chappelle and all these yes okay. are not unfiltered none of them would be able to say certain things if they believed them and could get away with it. Why? There, because there is no freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Because what? culture is controlled. Okay. So because what? social media platforms are not neutral. That I leave it at that. If you want to find unfiltered people, you should it doesn't matter if you like them or not. If you really want to find unfiltered comedians, you should look for those who got banned because they got banned for a reason. Mm -hmm. If you got get banned, you said something that the system doesn't like. So they are truly unfiltered. Mm -hmm. As a... Do you believe this as a principle or you... You're aware of examples like this can't be said, like as a both, yeah. We, I don't know, but let's not get into that because uh, we got banned. <laughs> but do you know? You I can try. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I don't um, know who said it, but um, if you want to know who controls you, find out who you cannot make fun of. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So you you kind of believe that as uh And by the way, I'm not an I'm I am not a free speech absolutist. I am not. I'm just observing and making conclusions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. Could could you like um Is it something you'd know, like something, for example, Joron could say that would not be accepted? Um, he said... Uh, 
Um, he said. Um, you can say it. Don't. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Okay. He made a statement about. Um, yeah. Uh, vaccine. Yeah, vaccination. Yeah. He getting vaccinated. Yeah, he made a recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, for young and fat, fit people yes. to not get it. Okay, to not get vaccinated. Exactly, right? She said, well, if you're healthy, why would you need it? Right? Sure. And you know what happens a couple of days ago? He had to backpedal. He had to... Rectify? Uh, he had to make a public apology and take his statement back. Really? Yeah. It happens all the time with him. Uh -huh. Since he... Um, since he... Um, went to um, Spotify. But before that, um, I, I mean, YouTube is censor censoring non-stop. Yeah, well, yeah you know, that's right? true. So yeah, he was the first, when, when, when he started, YouTube was actually YouTube, mm -hmm. right? You, you were broadcasting yourself. And um, with, from, with, with time, the corporate machine took over mm -hmm. um, and the independent creators were um, shadow banned and stuff like that yeah. right were cancelled so um, he was actually at the forefront of this um, individual um, free thinking um, broadcasting mm. or saying what you want right yeah you could say what you want and uh, over the years you can you can um, see that he backpedaled on a lot of topics okay Yeah. yeah, has been called out on from no, 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 no. Uh, corporate pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube, um, yeah, YouTube has it, it its hands mm. in, in all those. Things. Okay, yeah. so that's kind of where you're going. Yeah. That's yeah. what you mean with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This Just, happens to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. Um, but that's always I've always seen it as a. Um, a fight between corporate's image and the user's um, statement. Mm, yes, image in a sense of, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, like a user of your platform mm -hmm, mm -hmm. says something that goes maybe against your against the guidelines. corporate's policy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. So that's obviously a dilemma there. And yeah, yeah, that that's a very big topic right now for for maybe maybe for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with um, well, this shows the problem um, of private companies um, turning from originally platforms to publishers. Mm -hmm. Right, that's the big thing in the U.S. US right now. Yeah, you things like Netflix and no, all all, all everything. Mm. That is, is supposed to be a well, YouTube is supposed to be a platform. Platforms are supposed to be neutral, so they um, are um, bound by freedom of speech. The moment you censor, you are becoming a publisher, mm. and there is a loophole because you're editing. Yes, exactly. And there is a loophole in the uh, um, U.S. law concerning this um, that. Although they are behaving as publishers, as editors, they f still fall under the platform uh, category. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So they're labeled as something they're not. 
Yes, pretty yes, much. Yes, yes. But that's that's um, old stuff that I'm just talking. Right now <laughs> old talking. stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. it's yeah. more 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 yeah. than anything else. But no, I mean I mean it's not um, recent. It's going on for um, at least. Oh yeah, it's ten. not since yesterday. Yes, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I meant. I would love to go back to you. Um, and um, get towards the end, the end of the episode, talking about your movement right now, um, the struggles you have encountered, and you know, bring out some valuable lessons for um, younger yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, as you said, you, you've you've um, started painting, and then you. Uh, tried to sell your artwork through expositions. I'm not sure if you have attempted to do it online as well or not. And now you're pretty much investing your time into teaching and education. Um, teaching and education is not so primary. It's 50-50, uh, I would say. Yes? Oh, With, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, but, um, mm, okay. Let me get specific. Mm -hmm. mm, what are concrete, good as bad decisions you have made along the way to get you where you are? No, oh, I would skip that question. <laughs> Why? It's too much. It's too much. Too many mistakes. Um, but they're important. Yeah, but, but let me say this. Um, let me tie things together that I were talking about um, until now. Um, I, I um, showed you that I am uh, interested in this traditional stuff, going back, discovering the old meanings of art yes. and stuff like that. That led me to question um, the art I was making. I didn't feel comfortable with producing something that was merely for consumption for people who have the money. So I, um, I diversified we could say, I um, went back into illustration, doing very wholesome illustrations, nothing dark, nothing sexy and action-packed. It's more like um, for kids, for families. That's one thing that I enjoy doing, mm -hmm. like doing children's books again. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, that was very curious. I didn't expect that. I um, discovered... Christian Orthodox icons. Are you familiar with those? Probably not. Okay, so that's that's the art that was before the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Today we would consider those kind of simple, strange, not really beautiful, but they were highly symbolic. This kind of art was obviously religious. It was considered sacred art. It was... Um, used in the litur liturgy and during mass mm -hmm. so it had a purpose it was not just for um, looking at it and um, well, the other purpose it had was to help the believing christian to control his and her, or her passions mm -hmm. so if you think about it since the Renaissance, the images became more physical, more erotic even. And what does this? It, it, 
obviously has an effect on you, right? It doesn't matter if um, how we judge it, right? It just has an effect on you. So the Christians in their worldview said, obviously, we don't want that. So we want images that um, that um, make you look inwards, make you contemplate, and not make you aroused, make you happy, make you sad, right? So it was highly a highly spiritual way of looking at images. And the form of the images reflected that or reflects that still. So I found it so fascinating that I start that I tried to make my own icons and something changed. And um, yeah, that's what I am exploring right now. I'm making traditional icons. I'm also making, Christian uh, illustrations. I'm just exploring the visual world of uh, Orthodox Christian religion, and I find it absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, so going going a little bit away of the art market, of the modern art market, and focusing more on actually meaning, meaning itself. Yeah. Something that triggers you to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, think about even the meaning of life, yeah. mm. about God, about relate, yeah, yeah. As All those deep things. as you like to go. Yeah, and that's, that's just, <laughs> that's just, woof, yeah, yeah. Very, very deep and uh, very intense and I, I enjoy it, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what has helped you get there? Uh spiritual crisis actually yeah i just felt uh, miserable doing the art that i did making the art that i made and um, i was looking here and there also my personal spiritual path um, was included in that and everything culminated in this point where um personal um my personal search, my personal spiritual search also influenced my art making. And um, yeah, it was just a very radical shift. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm not uh, painting secular images anymore. No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I broadened my uh, palette. (laughs) Your field of work. Yeah. yeah. So you came from a place of discomfort. Yeah, of atheism even, of nihilism. Okay. Really, really hardcore, <laughs> shit. meaningless. <laughs> shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think there is a very famous psychologist today um, who um, uh, made people wonder about their own spiritual life. Um, his name is JBP. JBP. Jordan B. Peterson. Oh yes. Yeah, the famous guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stumbled. Uh, but uh, what did you say? I, I discovered him five, six years ago before he was famous. And yeah, like like many people, I then rediscovered religion. And uh, yeah, I not a big fan anymore of his. But he's a he, he's a the gateway drug. <laughs> like people say, yeah, 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 he has his own own problems and stuff like that. His own um, brand and um, it, it's uh, things he's doing are 
some things he's doing are good, but um, I, um, after um, learning from him, I um, discovered more, um, more religious people who were um, rather, nee, who, who were um, killed. No, um, um, who were um, the real thing, let's say. Yeah. Because Re Peterson is himself not religious in that sense. Okay. Right? okay. So he's not a believing Christian, right? Yeah. He is extremely, um, he's, he's struggling with his religi religiosity because he's still grounded in... With his own beliefs. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still grounded in uh, materialism. Mm. Right in pragmatism, that's that's what he says himself. So um, yeah, I was um, in that phase as well, and then I transferred into the let's say quote unquote real religious uh, sphere. Mm. Yeah, and you're you're figuring out for yourself if this is maybe something that fits you better. Um, I know that it fits me better. Okay, that's yeah, but a I'm big accomplishment. It's not my accomplishment. Um, um, yeah, um, I'm figuring out how to live with that now. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm still extremely, extremely tiny, and and it, I try to be humble and actually not talk a lot about it because I'm at the beginning. But I know, I yeah, I understand. Mm -hmm. I feel this is true okay i mean if you try to be humble about it and not talk about it too much i appreciate you being here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, thanks, <laughs> because it's all i it's almost all i think about i'm reading theology books uh, listening to theology podcasts and i know this is all intellectual stuff and i i am kind of an intellectual guy but um religi religiosity is um a, com a combination of uh, intellect heart and uh, the so-called so noose It's um, a term in an orthodoxy where um, it's kind of a um, faculty that combines, um, it's a faculty that um, is kind of lost in the West. It's a, I, th I think they refer it to as the, the, the reason of the heart. Mm -hmm. Strange, I don't understand it myself yet. Okay, okay. So, but it's very, very interesting, yeah. Good. Now that we um, that you have um, um, that we are in, in 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 this well, the change you've um, experienced so far. Could you try to extract a handful of valuable lessons that you could give along to someone else that might be at the beginning of that journey? Um, you mean in art? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I would say try to find out what you want. If you want to work more realistically, mm -hmm. depicting reality, um, you will need the craft to do that. And the problem today is, like I said, that that you will that you won't find the knowledge in the 
institutions. The knowledge is online. All the courses, there are even free videos, free tutorials. You will have to train yourself with the help of this material. You will not find it in the academy. So you should really think about if you want to apply to university. Mm. If you do not want to work realistically or hone your craft, you can do what you want, actually. So you just pick the your form of education, of your institutional education, and um, try to get in. And then you are actually not... Well, what you will have to do then is actually not understand art, but un you will have to learn how to sell yourself. And there is even literature about that. Um, and I'm not making this up. It's, it's actually the, the academies know it themselves and say it and teach students that that's how it works today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you um, want, well, yeah, that's that's something that you have to find out for yourself. What do you want? And then, like the famous graphic designer Milton Glaser said, then you will have to work your ass off, butt off. Sorry, butt off. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, working. And um, um, when it comes to Well, one, one, one professor at the academy said painting and doing art is, is well and good, but you need to spend at least two days of, of the week um, connecting with people, uh, networking, writing emails to galleries, stuff like that. So part of the job is marketing, marketing yourself, selling yourself. Um, And that's a personal thing. Most most young people or most um, artists uh, find this part icky, naturally, right? Sure. So so you have to know what you're getting into. I think would say. Um, one last point I would make is maybe ah, that's that's difficult. I would say. Don't be so sure that art will save you. Because that's my that might be what most people try to find there. Just because you feel uneasy, just because you feel disconnected or fragmented, let's even go so far as depressed. Don't think that art will guarantee salvation mm. from that. Art is a field that allows you to explore your problems, but there is a high risk in that. Art today also allows you to dive very deep into nothingness into meaninglessness yeah. and into scandal. So 
I would say just be careful. Well, let's say it with let's let's um, let me rephrase now summarize huh? summarize everything. Know thyself. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, but that's that. I would conclude with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I really like the last one. It made me. Uh, um, it was a point I didn't think of as well. Um, but I can I can sort of get behind. Um, nice. I I appreciate uh, the three steps you took there. Um, before uh, we conclude uh, today's episode, uh, I would love to give you the opportunity to actually share with our listeners where they can find you and check you out and um, see your work. Okay, I have a website that it's unfortunately not running yet, so you can find me on Instagram, um, Martin dot ribatsky dot art and i think you will link this huh? for sure so because my sh my last name is not um, that easy to write just by hearing it <laughs> um and on my on this instagram page i have in my bio links to my religious art to i, I have a lot of instagram accounts with different genres of art sure. that I do so um, if you just go into my bio there you will find the other accounts great definitely um, everything like especially your Instagram will be linked up in all posts on the episode itself I appreciate <laughs> more followers more ego more yes, pride please. yeah <laughs> more validation right? no that's a sin no <laughs> but it's hard to, it's hard to completely ignore it right um It's quite an inevitable trap there. Yeah, I think it's about um, what you are making this for, the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, That makes a difference. Definitely. If, if you want to beautify your way of seeing the world, that's, that's I would say that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, before we end, I always give my guests the opportunity to share something we have not touched on. That is still left there. Um, there might be nothing, but maybe there is. And I want to give you the opportunity to, to share that with us. If not, that's fine. <laughs> mm. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Okay. And with that last words, I really want to thank you for your time, your effort, the braveness to be here, be part of the show. I really, I'm really thankful for that. I hope you enjoyed your time here. Lucas, I really enjoyed it and I'm no, I, I I'm really grateful that I could do that. It was really fun. I was nervous at the beginning, but it was you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, we were worried that it might be too short. I feel like it's maybe at least as long as all the others. This has been definitely a very different episode than what I'm used to. That's for sure. Um which makes this so much more exciting. Right. I love different conversations uh, that I did not have before. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, this is a wrap. Thank you all for listening today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as well. I'm Lucas, and this was The Creative Cast. <laughs>